You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Equalizer 3. Nine seconds. That's what I'll give you to decide your fate. Ciao, Roberto. Roberto, tell me, what did you do back home? Government work. I'm retired, man. I understand pain, death, or you. Who is that? My bandy. <laughs> because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. Roberto, this is my wife. Ciao, ciao. Oh. And I'm starting to believe. Ciao, Gianzo. They see you as one of us now. This is where I'm supposed to be. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Equalizer 3, and the story is as follows. Since giving up his life as a government assassin, Robert McCall finds solace in serving justice on behalf of the oppressed. Now living in southern Italy, he soon discovers his new friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall becomes their protector by taking on the mafia. The film is starring Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning, David Denman, Sonia Anmar, and Remo Garone. It is directed by Antoine Fuqua, and it is written by Richard Wenk. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer. Grazie mille. <laughs> I was wondering how much Italian we were going to speak on this podcast review here. <laughs> okay, uh, Equalizer 3. So, uh, I guess the first question i have off the top of my head is dan have you seen any of the equalizer films prior to this one not a single one okay but yet you know you see a trailer of denzel washington in his 60s at this point still kicking ass and you figure why not it's denzel we'll pretty much see him in anything right i mean yeah he is one of our last remaining movie stars and he's literally one of the greatest actors of our generation. Mm-hmm. Definitely deserves to be in the conversation for all time. You know, when you look at the total body of work, it just speaks for itself. And here, you might be wondering, is this more of the same for what we got from the first two Equalizer films? And as someone who saw both films, but quite honestly had really forgotten pretty much all about them, they were very forgettable movies for me. I will say this. I recognize enough here to say that, yes, it is more of the same. It isn't necessarily changing up the formula. The location is certainly different. Uh, And you have a continuation here of the story of Robert McCall. Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington are attempting to tie together some loose ends and kind of close out this trilogy of films. I think they always intended this to be a trilogy, uh, but yet it's not the most compelling case for a trilogy like it does seem like their attempts to connect this film to the previous films uh is actually some of the weaker storytelling elements of the movie overall but um yeah as a closer as a final film here you know i i I do think it gives fans what they're expecting probably and those who are not fans probably won't find anything new here that they weren't already previously sold on is my guess but dan enough about all of that uh what did you think ultimately of equalizer 3 well it is a movie it is a movie released in the year of our lord 2023 it is i've spent most of it actually like just kind of shocked that this exists i mean this is a 
real, honest-to-God, hard-R franchise for adults that is, like, technically based on pre-existing IP, but one that is, I would say, relatively obscure. Obscure enough that this feels like its own completely new thing. Um, so that the fact that this exists, like, completely bucks like every box office trend, you know? So that's like really cool. And I'm really glad that these movies exist. And I will fully acknowledge that this is just like not my thing. But even with that, I think that this movie, it's good, but it's not the best version of itself. Um, it, it feels like you know it really only comes to life during these ultra violent, brutal set pieces, which are admittedly um, pretty cool to watch. But the rest of the movie, which is the bulk of the movie, is where it loses me. I feel like the pacing is a little off. And part of that may be just because the story itself, you can you know exactly where this is going from the second the movie starts, pretty much. Um, and there's not really a lot of playing around with it, or like there's not really a lot that um, Robert McCall, the character, does that is particularly interesting or marks him as this, you know, like just you know really tactical genius he's just blunt force he will just you know burst into a room and just stomp you all to death basically there's not a lot of sophistication to that character so there doesn't necessarily have to be any in the filmmaking but for me it just felt like too little was going on for this to be for the story to really engage me as much as it did engage me it was through the that those brutal kills and frankly through denzel washington's unbelievable charisma history is complicated the story of human progress is long messy and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. So I'm tempted to say 
that this is the kind of film that would play well on television, much like the original series that this is based on. But that would be a lie. Well, provided that they were able to show all the violence. Exactly. (laughs) If you're going to watch this movie censored, it is not worth it. I am sorry, but it is not worth it because much of the fun of this movie is watching Denzel Washington at this stage in his life just completely annihilate people in the most brutal way possible. I don't know why I was not so fully prepared for how violent this movie was going to get, but (laughs) me neither. (laughs) I I don't know if I had it in my mind that this might be PG 13 or whatever the case might've been, but (laughs) yeah, man, when this movie hits, it hits hard, it hits fast and it is brutal. Absolutely brutal. There are some moments in this that had me jumping out of my seat with glee because I was just like, so shocked by what I was seeing at times. Um, now, with that said, that's one of the positives. If you are a, uh, there's such a weird way of saying it, but if you're a violence junkie, yeah. if you get off on uh, some blood and guts and some bullets, broken bones, severed limbs, this movie's for you. God, <laughs> There's a lot going on here. I mean, even just the opening alone, I yeah, it's God. Like the opening is literally walking through the aftermath of a brutal, like multiple murders, multiple like how what like eight nine people like oh I, so I think many. it was more than that. And the camera seems to be really really enjoying like taking in all of the the wounds and the blood and. You know, the dead bodies. And so I was thinking to myself, this is a little much gratuitous, (laughs) but I got to say, though, overall, I actually did feel like the movie was pretty well shot. Yeah. Like in general, across the board, especially the opening. I thought everything in the opening, I know that's been like the focal point of the marketing and of the trailer, uh, him with like the harsh lighting uh, sitting in the chair. Like watching it on screen, I was like, damn, this looks really good. Yeah, you know, like they really take advantage of the um, Italian settings, and I think they found inspiration in that, like in the you know churches and the frescoes in uh, in Italy, you know. And he has that in a lot of these scenes. He has that sort of like halo light around his head, like they do in like all the paintings of the Virgin Mary yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like it's very religious iconography, but given that it's a attached to this character it feels a little weird well, no not exactly he is meant to be sort of like this overwatching protector this guardian angel for this town of yeah. people who are trying to lead decent lives but are under oppression from the local crime bosses who are looking to expand there's like this whole subplot where it's not a subplot that is the plot well i don't know i mean like... <laughs> there's like another subplot involving them getting involved with like terrorists and drugs and things like that oh yeah that. yeah 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 exactly Exactly. So um, the, the crime family in this, the, the Kimura, they're called. It, it's interesting because they actually are, I think, initially set up as pretty imposing and intimidating uh, antagonists here for our hero. So much so that, you know, I think a lot of the violence that we talked about earlier helps aid in that. You know, we see them being extremely uh, violent towards these people that are just simple, peaceful people trying to live a, a, a nice, a simple existence. And Robert wants to essentially join them. He has them call him Roberto uh, throughout the 
throughout the movie, he finds a local cafe. He finds his favorite spot in the cafe, which always seems to be available for him. He never seems to sit anywhere else in this cafe. Uh, I also conveniently notice it's always his back against the wall so that he can see what's in front of him and not no one coming from behind him. Um, but Robert is, for all intents and purposes, trying to leave behind the life that he once led, and he's trying to find peace. He's trying to find a new chapter in his life, and he feels like he has found it in the aftermath of an injury that he sustains. He gets rescued by this doctor, nurse to health, and he starts to realize, you know what? I I ended up exactly right where I'm supposed to be, and that's like a common reoccurring theme throughout this movie Mm. that gets uttered a couple of times. Yeah, it's... (sighs) It's interesting because like there's a lot of there's there's that and then there's also this sort of lip service a lot of talk about like what does it mean to be a good man is Robert a good man or a bad man and why he's unsure about that and it's just like I don't know I feel like a lot of these ideas they're just sort of like vaguely talked about but they don't really do anything with them Completely agreed. They they mention these things. They're presented. They don't actually dive deep into them. Yeah, and there there's like there's a start of something that is like really a great idea. Where like after he sustains this injury and while he's recovering, there is this flashback to him uh, bursting through that vineyard from the opening scene, and like we see every single one of those kills like from his pov almost looks like a video game yeah and you see like uh um they intercut like scenes of him like remembering this and almost reliving it and how awful it feels but that's the only time they do that and it's the only time they really give him anything that he feels remotely conflicted about there, there's just not enough like interesting stuff going on with this character as written. Like Denzel could play it, we know that, but it's just like, nah. We we just want to see him kill people or threaten people that he's going to kill them. And to be clear, once again, that is the best part of the movie. Yeah. Anytime he is toying with the bad guys, anytime that he's fighting the bad guys. This movie is entertaining as hell, and it's all because of yeah. Denzel. But like those scenes are very much in the minority. There is a lot less of that than I was expecting. Well, the thing about this movie in general is, I was wondering if Antoine Fuqua was like trying to like borrow insp- inspiration from some of the great like Italian filmmakers because this movie is so methodically paced. Yeah, it almost very. seemed like he wanted to go for some sort of. Uh, European art house approach at times to the story and have these moments of violence really um, I don't want to say come out of nowhere but they but sometimes they do and they they introduce like a jolt to the proceedings as a result yeah I think Denzel is really particularly great in this one scene that he has where he's sitting across from Dakota Fanning uh, hashtag man on fire reunion I, I love that so much. There's uh, one scene in the cafe I was mentioning earlier where they're like kind of sizing each other up and 
He is so goddamn charismatic. I mean, this is nothing new. We know this about Denzel, but... It's why he's still a movie star. It's why he still sells tickets. Exactly. And, you know, our audience that we saw it with was cheering and laughing, and they were just so invested in his story and what he was doing as an actor with his character. Yeah, it, it... I'm so happy for those people that they they got that from this movie (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like for like for people who liked the first two movies i feel like they will also like this movie but like if you're like me and you haven't seen the first two i i don't think there's a lot to really get you invested in this character well i also think too there is something to be said for the simplicity of the film's plot and how easy it is to root for yeah. what Robert is ultimately pursuing in this movie. And it's uh, exemplified by this one uh, court scene that takes place on like the cobble streets where the townspeople get involved. They're brought out for like a public display from the Kimura uh, crime yeah. uh, family where they're going to seemingly execute someone in front of all of their uh, faces to instill fear in them. And then Robert shows up and he taunts them. And man, when he was verbally just standing up to these guys, telling them, like, I'll be right here. Like, you know, I, I you know, he's like, I, I will come for you. And he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, our audience was losing their minds at the defiance that Denzel was displaying towards these guys who, um, you know, it's like, in real life, this obviously would never happen. <laughs> but there's something really, really cool about seeing one man just stand up to such overwhelming odds and yeah. do it for a righteous cause. And I, I could see this. I, I could see this, Dan, even for people that are not fans of the series. Like, I could see this working for a general audience, maybe not so much like hardcore cinephiles, art house fans or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but just like your typical average movie goer, I could see them enjoying this as a matinee watch or as an uncensored watch on TV. If that ever becomes a thing, (laughs) (laughs) I, I can, I can almost see it. My issue with it is that, like I, I love those scenes. Those those scenes are absolutely the best scenes in the movie. When he's like, you know, if it's it's him and the mob, and they're just, you know, button heads, they're they're great, and mostly because he's Denzel Washington, and he's charismatic as all hell. Like if you see him, if you see him like set that watch, you know, shit's about to go down. <laughs> yeah, but that's the the problem is that like every one of those scenes plays the exact same beats the mafia guys think they're hot shit and robert and the audience knows that they're not compared to him and literally every single one of those scenes function on on that dramatic irony and by the end of the movie i was like are are, are we going to do anything different like is he going to like do anything to like surprise these guys catch them off guard uh, he definitely do does that like really cool like well at the end so the thing about like the ending of this movie that i was thinking a lot about was without getting into like spoilers here necessarily but i was kind of surprised by how easy it all was and i understand that that's kind yes. of the sweet yeah. justice of it all is that like it should be cold it should be merciless and it should just be but that's the thing there's there's never a as 
these guys are presented as very, very threatening the first time that we see them. But every other time we see them, he cuts through them like water. Right. It's way too easy. There is never a moment where it looks like, oh, shit, like maybe he's not going to survive or maybe, you know, he'll survive, but someone else is going to die. Like it, the body count outside of the uh, the mafia gang is like non-existent. I think it's like the, the younger brother, uh, Marco, I think his name is, if I remember correctly. Um, he is set up early on to be... You know, like you said, like this very threatening character. He's like terrorizing yeah. this local cop and his family. And you really hate this guy. I mean, like, yeah. really, you want to see him get destroyed. You really do. But then when you actually do see it happen, um, there's a scene in the movie where, like, uh, where Robert is like compressing the nerve in his hand and is, and is making it's him. It's great. I mean, it, here's the thing. It, it's it, great. Scene, here's the thing. Like... It is great to an extent because he's got the guy uh, just through this. Nerve in his hand. It's so yeah. seemingly simple. And Robert's so calm and cool and Denzel's doing his thing. But then you got this character who you just spent a good chunk of the runtime setting up. And he's brought down to tears and sounding like a big baby now in the scene that, you know, it renders him useless and pathetic. And it does kill then, I think, the stakes. Now, there is a con- there is a consequence to that action, which you then think will raise the stakes, but it doesn't. Right, because then the third act completely undermines that. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it would be one thing is because like you'd think that oh well now he's going to retaliate and it's going to be bad, but I would argue that Robert McCall struggles more in the first act of this movie, climbing up a a flight of stairs yes. than he does with anything yes. else throughout <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> Yes, that is absolutely true. I mean, the f- it's, uh, it's very frustrating. <laughs> like, there's so much opportunity. Like, Denzel is such a good actor. Like, you could do anything with these characters. And instead, it's just like, nah, he's just going to mow right through them. There's also a doctor character in the movie. I can't remember the actor or even the name of the doctor, honestly. Oh, I think the doctor's name is like Enzo. Oh, oh, oh okay. If that if it's Enzo, then it's uh, Remo Garone. Uh, yeah, Remo Garone. Yeah. yeah, and he gets a lot of screen time in the first act of this movie. And I actually was really liking the dynamic between him and Denzel yeah. uh, quite a bit. But then the movie seems to just completely forget about him. Until a critical moment. Yes, but even still, I was wondering if there was going to be a greater sense of closure because it's not just that character. There are other characters that Robert comes into contact with in the town. Um, But I just felt like in the beginning, especially when we spent so much time with that character, that there would be more for him to do uh, throughout the rest of the movie. But yeah, it's also just annoying because like he makes Robert does make like emotional attachments with a few people in, in the town and I, I think like, you know, after like maybe the first inciting incident, every time they threaten someone, it's the same cop. And like, I mean, slight spoilers, but nothing ends up happening to him. Mm, the cop. Yeah. Or his family. Like nothing. They're all fine. Well, so, okay. So that's the thing that really annoys me about <laughs> that too, is that I would argue that that cop actually gets completely fucked up in this movie. 
and he, completely fucked up beyond the point where a normal human would not be in the hospital. Correct. And, <laughs> and and the thing that annoys me is that in the third act of this movie, he's not part of. Well, he he's just once again the movie just completely forgets about him. He doesn't get his own form of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another thing that I think like once again it's like the direction of this movie I actually think is pretty well done. It's good. Denzel yeah. is great. It's the, it's the writing I've got an issue with really. Yeah, same. It offers so much possibility and potential and opportunity and just does not go that route every time it chooses to go another dir- the opposite direction. There's one character that ends up in the hospital at one point in the third act as well, and I'm thinking, oh, the Kamora uh, is clearly going to send a man there to kill this person. Yeah, and no, nothing. nothing. Like, it, like, it's the mafia. They can do, like, anything. They're practically magic, <laughs> you know, like, you know, in some movies. And, yeah. you know, no, nope. The, <laughs> there is one... Uh, there's one moment where they're sort of following one character through an event that all the people in this crime family are at. Mm-hmm. And I almost like that scene because it's a tracking shot, like almost sent a shiver down my spine. Cause you realize like how many people are involved right. in this operation. But even with that, like, Okay, that happens to be one of the scenes that does have a pretty good payoff to it in terms of it, you know, causing someone something significant. But even that doesn't feel like it leads to anything. Like there's there's no larger payoff to that in the movie. Yeah, there's just a bunch of dropped plot lines and realistically after a while because the pacing of this movie like i said it is so methodical in its approach so you're kind of are just then at that point just waiting for the next action scene and when it comes to those action scenes i find it very interesting because you were saying before that denzel washington is just such a force in this movie i'm not expecting denzel to do hand-to-hand fights the same way that keanu reeves is doing (laughs) i'm really not in fact i'm actually kind of surprised at how well these movies have been able to work around Denzel's physical limitations, especially as he's gotten older with age and still make him come across as somewhat believable. Um, There's a scene in particular where he runs up the flight of stairs. Oh my God. And I'm saying to myself, man, that's that's the most we've seen this man struggle this entire movie. And it's like, clearly I'm like wondering to myself, I wonder how many times Denzel had to like do that take in real life. He was probably exhausted (laughs) as hell. I, I, there, there are so many scenes with him going upstairs in this movie, and like, look, it, it's absolutely not fair to make this comparison, but like, I could not stop thinking of John Wick Chapter Four <laughs> every time he got to these stairs. Stairs, the ultimate <laughs> bad guy of 2023. Yeah, it's true, but even that, like, it just, I, I, like, I feel bad but like it really felt like john wick was doing a lot of the same things that this movie is doing thematically and trying to do cinematically with the violence 
stylization and stuff, but it did it in a much more, to me, entertaining manner. You know, that movie gets, I mean, that whole series can get pretty, you know, self-important and ponderous, but it does it in such an over-the-top way that it loops back around to becoming entertaining because you feel like it's in on the joke. And this just feels heavy and laborious and actually ponderous in a way that, like, to me, isn't fun. Doesn't mean that it's bad, but it means that like the those violent fight scenes i i'm not like my adrenaline isn't pumping all the way through though i'm not excited it's these moments where i go oh my god instead of like a sequence like a whole sequence that will leave me breathless or it leaves me applauding through the sheer like bravura whatever that's happening instead i'm just like oh god that that hurt totally <laughs> you know absolutely there, there are lots of moments in this that had me wincing had me uh gleefully smiling um because anytime a movie can shock me with its violence i kind of get all giddy about that sort of thing um but ultimately yeah i at that point you're kind of just like grasping onto anything to kind of get you through the whole ordeal because at the end of the day, this movie doesn't have much to offer. Um, but Denzel Washington, honestly, that's what it does have. And like, that's pretty big thing. <laughs> am I ever really going to grow tired of watching Denzel Washington just completely destroy people? Not really. No. So. All right. With that said, uh, any final thoughts here, Dan? Or Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. You know, I, I said it before that, like, I really liked the Man on Fire reunion with Dakota Fanning. And, like, she does as much with this really, really badly written character as she possibly can. I It makes me kind of sad to see her in such, like, a generic role. But she and Denzel have a really incredible rapport with each other. And I'd like to see them do more together, actually. I, man. It just sucks because that character is so flat. That, yeah, that's the problem. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm mixed and indifferent at the same time. I didn't hate her performance. I didn't even think that she was miscast. But they didn't need to cast her in that part, basically. Yes, yeah. I, I it could have been they, anyone. Yes, I agree with yeah. that because 
quite frankly, I, I, I am just kind of stuck thinking of Man on Fire at that point, even though we're so many years <laughs> removed from that movie still, and my brain just can't separate the two. Not to mention yeah. where, what they decided to do with her character in this movie uh, towards the end of the film. <laughs> Silly. Preposterous. I, I rolled my eyes. I groaned because it was like, it, it was simultaneously obvious and completely ridiculous and unnecessary. Yeah, we, did, we didn't need it. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. But I like I said, like I just really like their their rapport, their chemistry together on screen. I I thought that was really really fun to watch. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, uh, I got a couple of things here. Uh, number one is this might set a record in 2023 of the most establishing shots I have seen in a oh movie. Oh, my God. You could tell they were in <laughs> love with that location. And, like, I don't blame them. No, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful location. But how many times are we going to cut away to the same, you know, <laughs> shot? <laughs> yeah, and, like, and also, like, I, if they really loved it so much, uh, they didn't have to desaturate the color all to hell. Mm. See, I actually didn't mind the look of this movie. I didn't mind it, but I don't necessarily think it was the best choice. Mm. Also, I'm just like, I'm just sick of that blue gray look to movies. I I hate it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, the opening going back to that again. Uh, there's a moment involving a kid, which I wanted to yell at the screen because I could see that moment coming a mile away. Not going to reveal exactly what happens, but wait, which one? Uh, the one early in the movie early. or the one later? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was waiting for it to happen and was kind of glad that it did. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're the equalizer. You're Robert McCall. Yeah. You should know better. You know, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, there's a scene involving the burning of a uh, fish shop that I actually thought was really very emotional. All the actors in that scene were doing a really great job of selling me on yeah, how crushing a moment that was for that family. And I really I think that's the moment in the movie where I actually hit my peak in terms of emotional investment. So good good on them for getting me to that point, because I actually think that that's what made then every subsequent scene after that of Robert... Uh, defending the people uh, really work, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, when when Dakota Fanning says to him, you're a ghost, and then Denzel replies, boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That's one of those moments that just like, you know, Denzel, it, it works because he's Denzel. Yeah. Uh, and then there is a scene involving, I'll just say, a van, which, like I said earlier, this movie just has some moments in it that uh, seemingly come out of nowhere. Uh, but when it happens, it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, 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 that one. Um, there, there's another there is one explosion in this movie that, like, I swear I felt like you I was blown. Yeah, I yeah. saw you jump. <laughs> it, it was really good. It very, very well done. Like good, 
good effects work, editing sound, good good job. And that's the thing about this movie overall is that like there are elements of it that are good, and then it's just like undermined by this screenplay yeah. at times, and it's frustrating because you got Denzel, and Denzel is your ace in the hole. Like if all else fails, you know Denzel is coming mm, to play. Yeah, and that's what's get get this movie by. Is it going to be like someone's favorite in the trilogy? Maybe. I, I will say this much. I preferred it to the second film, um, but I, I, I still like the first one, I think, a little bit more overall. So for me, I I went back and forth on a rating on this because there were moments where I was having a good time. But then upon thinking about these issues with the screenplay, the baffling last minute reveal slash twist and just also to a few just odd directorial choices. Like, I don't understand why there were so many fades to uh, black in this film. Um, I, I, I'm i ultimately settling on a 5 out of 10. Although, I saw your review, Dan. And I don't want to, like, you know, steal your thunder. I know we're the same grade. I think I did like it a little bit more than you now, still. Yeah, I think you did, too. And, like, to be honest, I, I toyed with going lower but really what brought me back and up to five was denzel like even when i was sort of like bored with the movie because it was very obvious where it was going and it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of stakes every time i felt that way like you know denzel would come back and sort of win me back with something like like it's like how you were saying earlier there's a there are these really good moments where you're interested and you're invested but on the whole is where it kind of falls apart yeah agreed uh as far as awards potential goes for this movie none (laughs) yeah sorry none like that's just how it is (laughs) we're setting the watch to one second and in one second we will tell you that there is zero oscar potential (laughs) for this movie uh i wonder what denzel is going to do next from here because now he doesn't have a franchise tied to his name anymore i guess he's doing gladiator too and we'll see where that goes but well, he has the um, the August Wilson plays that he's producing for Netflix. Oh, and yeah, that's clearly a huge franchise moneymaker, Dan. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a moneymaker, but it's still a, something. It, that's what he's devoting his time to next, like I would imagine. And to be clear, it's what I would prefer to see him devote his time to. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I know that Denzel's always had action films in his filmography throughout his entire career. I'm well aware of that. I just, there's a certain point where it's going to stop being believable for me. Because just like I said, physically, um, you can work around it as these films have been able to do. Well, like, look what Liam Neeson has done for the past, what, 10 years? And and that's the thing. I don't want him becoming that. I don't want him yeah. becoming a parody of himself. Like, I want to still right. see him be someone that when he has a film, even a film such as this, that we are excited for. Because nowadays, when Liam Neeson releases one of those films, we're not excited. <laughs> nope. Not at all. So... I just don't want to see the same thing happen. To him. Wait, wait, wasn't one like just released? Yeah, it was. It, it really was. <laughs> Retribution. Oh lord! Right, that's what it's called. Oh my gosh! But this just goes to show you, though, like action stars like Tom Cruise, Keanu Reeves, um, they're a rarity. 
And you have other types of action stars that are out there as well. Denzel is not going to do the same things that Tom Cruise does. He's not going to do the same thing that Keanu Reeves yeah. does. But I'll tell you this, though. Denzel's a better actor than both of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go to see these people in these roles for different reasons at the end of the day. Yes, exactly. And I think that like people who do come to see this movie to see Denzel in this role will be quite satisfied. Agreed. All right, Dan, well, that'll do it here for our review of The Equalizer 3. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on the social media network formerly known as Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film and on Letterboxd and Post at Dance and Dan. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.